Heavenly Father, we do come to you, and Lord, this is such an important topic, God, and as we uh, think about just influencing other people, God, help us always to be crystal clear on the gospel. Lord, there are so many people around us that think they maybe understand the gospel, or it's in our culture, images of Jesus and the cross and the resurrection are common, but God, there's still many people that don't necessarily understand what it all means and what we're called to in response to that and what the result will be. So God, help us to be clear, and as we talk about now, God, give us greater wisdom and even greater skill as we learn to talk about this, uh, even just with other people and how to have these conversations, Lord, and uh, we just lift it all up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so I hope, especially after that session, we, we have a sense of how important this is, right? What the stakes are if people really understand the gospel or not. And, and remember, the goal is we want everybody to A, actually be saved, and B, know that they are saved. That, that is the goal. That's where we want people in. It's a narrow road. And some extent, we need to kind of have a narrow road and, and be pretty careful and thoughtful and intentional in how we talk to people about this, right? To some extent, we can't be too passive, where again, we're just assuming that everyone is saved. Um, and well, I have some concerns, but I'm not going to say anything. Well, at the same time, we, we can't be over the top. We can't be too in people's faces. And usually, we also just can't draw conclusions for people and tell them, no, this is what you are. Um, some situations, maybe it's super clear, but in most situations, not so much. So what I want us to think about now is you've met somebody. You, there is another real person here, and you're going to talk about this. Maybe it's somebody that you've met at church. Maybe it's a relative or a friend. Maybe it's you know somebody else in your workplace. And obviously, there's a component of evangelism. People, they're not saved. They're no, they know they're not saved talking with them, but Right now, we're, we're talking about it with people that if you ask them, hey, are you a Christian, they're probably going to say yes, whether at your work, in your family, um, at church, whatever it might be. And you're thinking, okay, I've met this person that claims Christ. I mean, I hope that they are actually saved and that they know that they're actually saved. And if God's calling me to be a part of the body of Christ, I don't want to skip over that, but I want to see, hey, how can I encourage that in them? I want to talk to them about that. How can I do that? And so I've got seven things that I want to communicate. And again, it won't be always all in this order, but here's just seven things to think through. The first one is kind of a reiteration of what we already talked about, but it's worth writing down again. Don't assume anything. Don't assume anything. Don't you know, assume, oh, this person, they say they're a Christian, they must be a Christian. Don't assume, well, that guy says he's a Christian, but, you know, he doesn't go to my church, so I don't know if he really gets it, right? right? I doubt he does, right? Don't assume anything, right? It's, it's not going to be a good step. So that's a quick step, but let's not skip it, right? Don't assume, based on no information, that, oh, they must really be a Christian or they must not be. You need more information, so step number two, and I think this is a great place to start, is ask their testimony. Ask how they came to know the Lord. And now the goal is not, remember that story in the Old Testament about the Ephraimites crossing the river and they would say, they'd get him to say Shibboleth, right? 
because the different tribe, they couldn't pronounce it right, and it was kind of the code word, and if they didn't say it right, well, they were dead, right? Pretty intense story, right? But it, it, this is not what we're trying to do, right? Oh, I'm, I'm hoping they say the secret shibboleth and say all the code words exactly how I would say it, right? But what you're hoping for and what happens is when people tell their story, what they're doing is they're revealing a lot of their understanding of the gospel, right? In applying the gospel to their own life, they're showing how much they understand. And I think it's great asking people their testimony because a lot of the time, I mean, it's a really joyful thing. You're talking to somebody and they're sharing and they, it's clear they understand the gospel. It's clear that they turn from their sin and they put their faith in Christ. Christ has now made a, different, a difference in their life and it's awesome, right? I'm never going to get tired of hearing people tell me their story of how they went from death to life and how God opened their eyes and saved their souls, right? Never going to get tired of that. That's always going to be awesome to me. And as I meet new people and, and learn that about them, praise God. But there's also times, especially at a church, when I ask, I mean, the answer, I start to have concerns based off of what they are saying. Because what they are saying when we talk about, okay, what was the message, what was the response, and what was the result, how they're talking about themselves, I'm like, it doesn't seem like the same message. I, I, I'm, you know, I'm not seeing that there, right? Sometimes I ask them, hey, how did they get saved? And they just kind of look at me like I'm an alien, and I'm like, okay, what's up with that? Um, or they'll start off by saying something like, well, I've always been a Christian, right? And that's a, you know flag up in my mind because I'm like, okay, biblically, I don't think that's possible, right? Or, you know, they basically tell some story where it's like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. And then they start talking about all the things that are going on in their lives. And it's like, they are not living like a, a Christian. Or remember, I talked about the whole, you know, repentance and faith and a lot of people really trying to have one without the other. Sometimes, I mean, that becomes pretty clear when they're like, well, yeah, man, I've been, I got busted for this, and now, you know, I'm, I'm getting my act together, I'm trying better, I'm doing harder, right? I mean, like, that raises some concerns in my mind, right? So, again, are people always going to explain things exactly how you would explain them? No, and that's not our goal. And I think lots of times when we ask somebody their testimony, we're going to see, wow, this person loves the Lord, they have an understanding of the gospel, praise God. And we need to view every person we talk to that is saved. That's a miracle. God pulled them out of their sin, has set their feet on the rock. That's an awesome thing. But sometimes somebody will be saying something and you will, you know, your antenna will be up saying something doesn't seem quite right. Because if this is the message and this is the response and this is the result, it doesn't seem to be meshing with what this person understands. And so I especially want to talk about, well, what do you do in that situation? And so that's when I'd say, okay, step three, I would just start investing in that relationship, right? Start investing in them, getting to know them as a person. I mean, if I meet it and I'm hearing that and it's another guy in the church, probably one of the things I'm going to try to do is, hey, man, I would love to grab lunch or grab coffee sometime, right? And just get together, learn more about them. Because remember step one, don't assume anything. Well, maybe as they tell me their story, I get some more information. But guess what? I still don't have a lot of information. And I would love to get to know where this person is coming from. What has their experience been with church? What has their experience been with faith? You know, how do they understand things? I want to learn more. So just invest in the relationship. Step number four, again, quick, but not to be skipped. 
I'm going to start praying for God to work. I'm going to start praying for God to work. Because I've got two problems. Number one, I can't see this person's heart. Trust me, if I could have a spiritual superpower and they like somehow you got to pick one when you became a pastor, I would love it if there was just like a little cloud that I could see over everybody's head that had like a green check or a red X that told me if they were really right with God. But guess what? I don't have that power. Nobody does, right? And, and I mean, sometimes it's crystal clear from their life, right? But a lot of times it's, I don't know. And I got to start by admitting that to God. I, I, I can't see this person's heart. And then the second problem is I have is I personally have zero ability to change their heart, right? If there is a problem, I can't do anything about it in my own power. Who's going to be the one that has to open their eyes and help them understand? It's God. So I need to start just by pouring out my heart to God for this other person. And, and then what happened, then if I you know, now I'm building a relationship and I get to talk to them and we're able to talk about what's going on in their life and with their faith. Step number five is I want to direct them to Scripture. I want to direct them to Scripture. And what I don't want to do, especially not out of the gate, is just draw conclusions for them. That's not how I want to start, right? Saying, hey, man, you're not really a Christian, and let me show you why, right? For a variety of reasons, that's a bad step. Number one, I might not be able to say that with certainty. And I, do I want to be the one saying somebody that's saved that they're not saved? No, I don't. Step number two, how do you think they're going to respond to that most of the time? Eh, not well. So don't do that. Also, sometimes, and again, I think this happens a lot with parents and children even, right? Somebody's going to come to you, and you're thinking, man, this person... They seem to understand the gospel. I think they're saved. And they're going to be like, I'm not sure that I'm saved. And your knee-jerk reaction is going to be, of course you are, right? And again, that's where I would say, uh-uh-uh, don't do that. It's kind of a give a man a fish versus teach a man a fish, right? Say somebody that you think, hey, I think this person's saved, and they're struggling with assurance, right? Well, what would you rather do? Just pat them on the back and say you're okay or lead them to Scripture so that they can have an assurance that's not based on what you have to say, but an assurance that's based on what God has to say? I think that's a little better option, right? So, so you don't want to start by drawing conclusions for them. You want them to dig into Scripture, right? You want them to say, okay, well, let's look at Scripture. What is the message? What is the response? What is the result? Let's see what the Bible has to say, and then we can come back to you. And there's three ways that uh, resources that I would encourage you to utilize in this. And one, just at, at our church, it would be either partners or exploring a little booklet, Exploring the Gospel, which if you ever need a copy of that booklet, it's always available at the Connect table, right? Because Exploring the Gospel is chapter one of partners, which what is that all about? What does it mean to be a Christian? How do I become a Christian? How do I know that I'm a Christian? And what I like about it is every one of those questions, it's... Let's see what the Bible has to say. And let's look at all these different passages that describe what real faith looks like and what Christianity is and what the response is and what the result is, right? That's a great way to, to do it, right? Biblical answers. And there's lots of times, especially as I've done ministry, it's, I'll get together and somebody will start talking to me and I'm like, man, I really don't know where this person's at. What they're saying doesn't really match with the gospel. Hey, let's grab lunch. 
And then I talk to him, I get to know him more, and then I say, hey, there's this little, this little booklet that I think would be really helpful for you and what you're going through right now. Why don't you go through it, and let's get together for lunch again next week, and let's just talk about it, right? And then what they're doing is it's driving them to Scripture, which is going to be always a hundred times better than driving them to my opinions, okay? I'm driving them to Scripture. Another great place to send people, these next two are just straight-up passages of Scripture to have people look at. One is 1 John, which again, we already looked at. What's the goal of the book? I'm writing so that you may know that you have eternal life. That is the goal of the book. And remember, we talked about enough is a very bad way to talk about good works, but more, hey, what's the direction of your life? Well, 1 John is great at that, using that directional language, saying if anyone says, I know Jesus, but they walk in the darkness, they lie and the truth is not in them, right? And I've seen this work both ways, right? I've seen people, they go and they dig into 1 John and they come back saying, I am not saved because this is not describing me, right? I'm, I'm the person that says I know Jesus, but I'm walking in darkness, and that's not real faith. I've also seen people, they go and they read that, and they come back with that, full of that joy and that assurance that, hey, what I, I'm encouraged by what I'm reading here and what I'm seeing the Bible describe as Christianity. Another passage that I would use is Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, and let me give you some more specific verses there. Um, verses 16 through 26. Verses 16 through 26, because what happens in there is there's, hey, these are the desires of the flesh and the works of the flesh, and this is the fruit of the Spirit, right? And, and I use this maybe in some pointed situations where I'm talking to somebody as a pastor, and they're describing their life to me, and I mean, it's, it's just a mess. And, and there's just all the, like, not just, hey, there's a little struggle here, but it's just it seems like the whole pattern of their life is dominated by sin. And sometimes I'll go to this passage and, hey, let's read through these things. And again, are any of us perfect? Are we all going to see, unfortunately, some of the works of the flesh that we're still battling against? Absolutely. And will we all like to see more fruit of the Spirit in our lives? Absolutely. But if we come at this passage and it's like, man, the direction of my life is all towards the works of the flesh, and I'm not seeing really any of the fruit of the Spirit in my life, we have to see what it says in the middle. I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Basically what we're saying is there is no fruit, there's no results, there's no good works. Therefore, we really have to question, do we understand the gospel? And have we responded to the gospel, right? That's an important thing to understand. And these are some passages of Scripture. And what I like to do is just invite people to study these and then ask them, so what do you think this means about, about you and about your, your story, right? And lots of times that comes to a great conversation where I see people walking away feeling really affirmed and assured of their salvation when they weren't before, or I see people realize what I've got isn't the real thing and I need that. That I've never really, maybe it's I've never really repented of my sin. Or maybe it's somebody realizing, I keep on trying to do better and try harder, and that's never, ever going to work. I've never really put my trust in Jesus. And it is a great and an amazing thing. Direct them to Scripture. And then number six, I would say, focus on the main things. Focus on the main things. Does this person understand the gospel? 
Do they understand repentance and faith, the response to the gospel, and have they done those things? And then is there that change of direction and the evidence of that change of direction in their life? Focus on the main things. You might talk to this person and realize, well, hey, you know, we've actually found this other thing that we disagree about, okay? Well, most of those other things are not as important as these things, right? Or, again, getting back to the shibboleth, right? Look also even just for the concepts, right? A lot of people, I mean, repentance, unfortunately, isn't a popular word anymore. I wish, I wish it was more popular. So you're going to have people that they're going to talk about their testimony, and they're not going to use the words repentance and faith. But guess what? The concept is there. They've done that, right? And don't get all hung up on, well, you didn't say the magic, uh-uh, you didn't say the magic word, right? Don't get so caught up on that when it's like, hey, they understand those words, they've lived those out, but maybe they've just never heard those words before, right? Or even some people, they'll be talking to you and they'll have serious questions about, well, I don't know when I became a Christian. And that might be a, a good question to wrestle with and to think about, but what? What's more important is, hey, where is this person at right now? Are they trusting in Christ? That's what's most important. And then maybe I could talk to this person about, hey, when, when did they really get saved? And for some people, they legitimately might not know because it's like, hey, something happened here and then something happened here. And I can't tell if, you know, one was salvation and the one was just a big step of growth. I'm not totally sure. Well, guess what? That's not nearly as important as are you sure that if you died right now, you're going to heaven, right? That's what's most important. So there's a lot of ways we can get off track, right? And I think another way we can do that is we can want to impose our experience on other people, right? Well, hey, I got saved pretty young, so they probably did too, or I didn't get saved till I was older, so they probably didn't get saved when they were young. But don't impose that, just lead them to Scripture and, and let them wrestle with Scripture, and that will give clarity to them, even as they think through some of these things, where they're at, and maybe as they think through where they were. Focus on the main things. What is the gospel? What is the response? What is the result? And focus your attention when you see misunderstandings on those main things. When this person clearly thinks, I can be a Christian and just live a totally pagan life, right? Okay, let's go back to Scripture to see how that doesn't fit. That's not what the Bible says. And then seventh step, pray some more. Pray some more for this person. There are going to be people that come to our church for years that are not saved. And maybe we all think that they are. And God is going to work in His way, in His time, to make it clear. Keep on praying. And pray for even the things that we do not know. We need to pray. We need to lift this up in prayer. So those are seven steps. But again, this is something I would encourage all of us that, that we need to be very prayerful and very careful and very biblical when we try to talk about these things, right? And you always want to be driving people back to the Scriptures, right? If you think, man, what this person saying really doesn't seem to match up with the Scriptures Keep driving them back there and inviting them to compare their life and their story to what the Bible says. Or maybe somebody's coming at you and, and they're struggling with assurance, right? Keep leading them back to Scripture and what does the Bible say. And, and let's be careful that we don't start getting messed up 
and how we're trying to help people, right? I mean, even if you're talking to somebody and you're looking at their life and it's like, I'm seeing kind of gospel response equals salvation, but no good works, right? Be careful that you as that person's friend or whoever you are talking to that person, that you don't start basically instructing them, hey, we need those good works, put those in, and then you'll be saved, right? Not the gospel problem, right? We need to direct them back, hey, do we understand the gospel? Has there been repentance and faith? Or when you're talking to somebody that is struggling, right? And they're like, I don't know, how can I be sure that I am a Christian, right? Again, we need to be careful with how we respond to that person. Because is fruit important? Are good works important in having that assurance? Absolutely. But we need to be careful that if somebody's saying, man, am I really a Christian? I would hope, as a pastor, their first response is, well, I do this and I do this and I do this. That's not where I want the first response to be. I want the first response to be, how do I know I'm a Christian? Well, I'm trusting in Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for my sins and rose again. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And then, okay, the works factor in then is, okay, that's kind of evidence. That's what I'm saying I believe. Do my works disprove that? Or do they affirm that? And again, it's not, well, is there enough? It's what's the direction? Do you see in your life that there is faith in Christ and there's a change in direction and there's growth? Hey, and maybe what you're feeling right now is conviction and we, you can lean on Christ more and grow more than you have been. Or is it, hey, you're saying one thing, but really there's these patterns of sin in the direction of your life as you're walking in darkness and that needs to change. And we need to understand what, what it is that you're not understanding about the gospel or what hasn't happened. Maybe it's faith without repentance or repentance without faith. And that's where I would always encourage there's got to be a lot of patience, a lot of care, and a lot of just keep, keep bringing people back to Scripture and keep praying for them. Because you might not always know where they're at, but what we do want to make sure is, hey, we're being as clear as we can possibly be about what the Bible teaches. Okay? So, I mean, this is, uh, I mean, we could talk about this for a long time, and it's something that I want us as a church to be careful on, right? I don't want us just to assume, hey, they're coming here. They must be saved. On the other hand, I don't want us being new person, probably not saved. Jump on it, right? Like, no, don't assume anything. Have I said that enough times yet today? Don't assume anything. We want to reach out in love. We want to build relationships. We want to bring people to the scriptures because the scriptures, that's what's going to pierce to people's hearts. The gospel, that's the power of God for salvation. And we want to be as clear as we can be and as careful as we can be. And I'm convinced that if, if we do this, you know, me from the front of the room and you from side to side, we're going to see our objective accomplished by the power of God. I think we're going to see people that aren't saved get saved when they actually start to realize, oh, this is the message. This is the response. This is the result. I've never understood that before. And it's unfortunate that many Christians in America have never even heard that before, right? And I hope we're also going to see people now have an assurance of their salvation that they've never had before. Because when those doubts come creeping in, instead of, well, I don't know, and I'm going to go lean on my friend, they start leaning more on God's word. And they know, hey, this is the gospel. This is the message. This is the response. This is the result. And that's why I'm confident of my salvation.